You have reached the voicemail box of Doreen St. Felix. At the tone, please record your voice message. When you are finished recording, you may hang up or press pound for more options. Yo, Doreen, it's Ira. Can you believe Drake had the nerve to drop views when I'm still listening to Lemonade? Call me back. Hey, Boo. Ira, I got your voicemail. Hey, what's up? Um, we need to talk about this ridiculous first quarter of music. We went from yes. Auntie to The Life of Pablo to Lemonade, and now your little Canadian boo thing went and dropped views. <laughs> you know how much I love Drake. I can't you know understand how, it. Like, I was so excited for this album. Like All I've been thinking about is Drake's album, Drake's album. And then Beyonce was like, a lemonade's coming. And I forgot about Drake. <laughs> that makes me think of Eminem, I forgot about Dre. It's just, it's like the <laughs> 2016 version of that. But yes, so Drake went and dropped the album on a Thursday night for me. He was supposed to drop it at 10, um, and he ended up being late because, like, you know, he's appropriating Caribbean culture. So he was over mm-hmm. an hour late, um, and while he was actually doing an Apple Music interview, the album just, like, popped up on Apple Music. And so I did not listen to the interview. I don't know if you did. And I spent... I, I did not listen to the interview. All I got was someone texted me. In this interview, did you hear that Drake said that he loves Taylor Swift? And I was like, I don't have time for this interview. I'll just listen to the album. <laughs> He's always trying to be contrarian, except for on Views. Views, which is 81 minutes long. It is too damn long. My goodness. Has he grown from Take Care? Like, is there any, is there going to be any evolving with this man? I'm so disappointed. This is like still the same light-skinned Negro who made best I ever had. (laughs) Like, if best I ever had was on this album, you would not be able to tell the difference. You know, just thinking about what the artists who are in his class have done in just the first four months of this year, I think when you, you have no choice but to compare views to Lemonade, which is what you did in the round table. Like, people were like, all up in my mentions being like, how dare you compare Drake to Lemonade? You know, like Drake announced his album before Beyonce announced her album. I'm like, first of all, Beyonce doesn't have to like wait for a Drake album. Like you need to always be at the ready for a Beyonce album. I am prepared for her to like drop an album tomorrow if she wants to. (laughs) So Drake should always have that on his mind that any time he wakes up, he could be living in like Lemonade Volume 2. Yeah, I could not agree with you more. But you know, beyond beyond the fact that clearly Beyonce was going to drop an album because she announced her tour months ago, we have to put views in the context of what Drake has been doing in the past year, right? We had, if you're reading this, it's too late. And we had What a Time to Be Alive. Both not classics, but both, in my opinion, better than views, which is such a mass disappointment. You know, I was reading reviews from some of the, like the stanniest stands ever of him. And 
it was a moment where these critics had to just sit back and you know what? Like, just acknowledge that this man, save for I really do love the last third of the album, I think that Drake, when he disappears into the Afrobeat, like dance hall, Caribbean kind of music, that's his his best um, form. But, you know, the rest of it, it, like you said, it's just like recapitulation. Listen, if he did a Drake, if he did like a dance hall album that was all about like his creepy obsession with Rihanna, then I would be all for it. That could have been like him actually getting into his mind mm-hmm. and actually like telling us who he is as a person. Because like you said, anti dropped and it's like Rihanna finally, her music started matching up with her public image. And I feel like that was a dope move for her. Kanye, he did some crazy shit online and really just acted his same ignorant self. He also but got married Pablo, and had kids. That's true. <laughs> um, he wasn't just tweeting. <laughs> <laughs> he also did some defending Bill Cosby shit, um, which most people like seem to have forgotten about. And I feel like he only did it so we would pay attention to him. But his album has evolved. It's better than his previous albums. And then Beyonce's album is better than her previous albums. I just think like when you have Rihanna, Kanye, and Beyonce all drop albums in a row that are better than anything else they put out before, and then you wanna drop Views, which sounds worse than the two mixtapes you dropped. Like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. I just have to speculate after a release like that. This also comes in tandem with Drake completely enmeshing himself in Apple Music's brand, right? You know, OVO Sound Radio launched that in 2015. Hotline Bling, that video was exclusive to Apple Music for a minute. I wonder if this is maybe Drake kind of saying, like, I don't really give a shit about music that much anymore. Maybe this is his transition into becoming, like, a veritable mogul. Okay, so you think he's about to like launch his own Rockefeller Records? Yeah. Oh my God. What would it? What would it be called? I mean, it would be OVO something. <laughs> um, High Yellow Records. Oh my God. I just want to say that I don't condone Ira's extremely backwards racist epithets. <laughs> <laughs> High yellow records. The yellow with an A, not not the O W. Yellow with an A. We also have to acknowledge that Drake totally capitalized on the light skin jokes on this album. What's the track where he makes a joke about acting light skin? Oh, um, the one where he talks about fighting at cheesecake. Oh yeah. Child's play. That yeah. I I had to laugh at that. It was like, okay, Drake, like I felt like it was him acknowledging the way people kind of like narrativize him as a like soft. I love that song because I feel like that's the only song on the album that's really like analyzes who Drake is Mm -hmm. in pop culture right now. Yeah, he's not combative with pop culture in that song. Every other song is just like, oh, you guys like, you think I'm not real or this ex-girlfriend who he always names his ex-girlfriends by name. Please remind me to never date Drake. He's always kind of like, you know, putting (laughs) on 
people's ideas of him, but in a way that's extremely defensive. But in that song, he kind of just like leans into it a little bit. He becomes a human meme. And Drake is his best when he's a human meme. I mean, the cover of the album, him sitting on top of the CN Tower. The cover is out of control. The like booklet that comes with the album with him in this oversized ass Lara Croft jacket parading around in the snow. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? It's like Drake saw the Revenant who's like, yeah, like I'm gonna make my booklet like that, but stylish. (laughs) (laughs) You know he sent it to Leo too. He was like, you wanna hang out? Yo, I got first too. Rihanna said I can't do that. We fur trapping. You see what I did Rihanna there? Rihanna squashed that shit quickly. <laughs> I did see what you did there. Um, I love I love that joke. It was good. Thank you. Thank you. I, I have more. I have some more coming from my back pocket. <laughs> Us talking about views, pretty reactionary. The internet will have you think you can't write about something if it's been like two days after it happened. But this album is like less than a a week long. But Lemonade is a little bit older. Lemonade's like two weeks old. I actually feel like my opinions or the things that I feel like I need to talk about it really changing just over this like short period of time. Do you know what I mean? No, I get it. You know, I feel like we're all in that world where like an album comes out and because of the internet, we literally have to talk about that shit the next day. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you put your thoughts in immediately and you're like, okay, here I am. But then you let that marinate and your thoughts and your opinions like start changing weeks later. Yeah. I will say that my opinion on views has not changed and I'm barely listening to it, but Lemonade, I'm still fascinated with, and I'm still listening to it, but now in different ways than I used to. Absolutely. I think for me, what's been so just startling even, just you know how people have been posting little videos, little clips from the Formation Tour? Um, I have been avoiding all information about the Formation (laughs) Tour. Because I am seeing it on May 14th, and I refuse to know the set list. I don't want to know the costumes. I just want to go in and get my blessings at the church. <laughs> well, I my timeline has just been inundated with, the, with video of it, so I can't even avoid it, even if I wanted to. But what it has me thinking about is just like, damn, everybody recognizes that Lemonade is a real... I mean, in some ways, it's contiguous with what Beyonce has always been about, which is just like growing up. Like that's just one of the main themes of her music. But also it's a real departure. Like if you listen to Beyonce, self-titled 2013, then you listen to Lemonade, you're like, damn, like she's been through some shit. But the album, of course, is going to be performed alongside and even like mixed in with like her older stuff, you know? Mm hmm. One of Beyonce's first songs about being married is Single Ladies. But, like, what is that going to sound like when you listen to Single Ladies, maybe even when you listen to Bills, 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 and then you listen to a song like Pray Catch Me, you know? Or she performs even Hold Up. I was definitely thinking about that, you know, with, like, how are you going to go from freedom to, you know, Naughty Girl? It's just, like, there's so much that jars in her catalog now because she has 
gone, you know, one step further with each album. But I also feel like she's also got like some bit of a through line, you know, mm-hmm. like I can um, I can imagine her singing, you know, like resentment along with this album, you know, totally. um, I can imagine her singing a lot of the tracks off four, you know, which I felt was her first album that really was like, I'm an adult and I'm here. And people forget about four. People like to say it's her weakest album, but I couldn't disagree. I couldn't, you know, disagree People more. sleep on four, and we all know that her weakest album is I Am Sasha Fierce. Yes. She knows it, too. As much as I do not want to hear Single Ladies again, I really don't want to hear If I Were a Boy Again. <laughs> that song has never made sense. The video has never made sense, and I need her to stop. It was such a weird time. That's such a like weird theme in music. Like Sierra had her video too of just like, oh, like emotional cross dressing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy she left that alone. Both of them. I mean, Sierra left music alone in general, which you know might be a good thing. Damn. Sorry. Damn. Sorry. <laughs> I will not stand for the Sierra Dragon. <laughs> you better stand for it. If you don't want me to drag Sierra, I'm just going to drag Rita. So it's like you just need to pick your poison, Ira. I'm sure everybody knows this by now, but there's... Beyonce basically references... What people are understanding is an actual person named Becky that her husband may or may not have cheated on her with. But my understanding of Becky is like it's much more about an idea, the idea that black, brown and dark skin women aren't considered as beautiful because of like Eurocentric, you know, ideals of beauty. Exactly. That's like, did you think that like. Erica Badu was referencing an actual Tyrone for someone to go call. It's a little bit of a basic interpretation, but people have run wild with it, including Rachel Roy. She's made herself the spokesperson for internet bullying off of her actually using the stereotype in the original sense. Rachel Roy has the kind of hair. She's, you know, a woman of color, but she has that kind of like straight, coolie hair that Beyonce is obviously, you know, sourcing as like a real, you know, moment of pain for black women every time, you know, people like make fun of you for having like natural nappy hair. Like that's that's the good hair we're talking about. That is the like basic thing that like people don't get, you know? And like, I mean, I'm not really shocked that white people interpreted it um, incorrectly because they tend to do that mm-hmm. um, when it comes to black culture. But like Glamour UK had a piece that was like two Beckys defend their good hair. And it's like, listen, Hatha, the good hair <laughs> isn't about, you know, like your actual hair. We're not talking about the fact that you use herbal essence. We're not talking about the fact that like you got a blowout this morning. We're talking about the fact that like black women who wear natural hair are ostracized in the workplace, sometimes within dating and relationships. And the good hair is that straight hair. It's that hair that's not kinky, doesn't need to be taken care of like that. Mm -hmm. And for Rachel Roy to put on her Instagram, good hair, don't care, it's like one, you knew what that meant, Rachel. Because she she has a black child 
that she had. She has a black child. A black man who we're going to have to get into the whole Dame Dash and Jay thing. Right after yeah, but this, it's like right? you are immersed in black culture, Rachel. So you know good and well what that meant. And you still put it on your Instagram. And then when people came for you and dragged you like they should have, you acted like you were being bullied. Yeah, she made herself a victim, which I think just, you know, it's so ironic. Gia Tolentina had a great piece on Jezebel about bullying and the fact that, like, everyone is against bullying in general. So when you're a celebrity or when you're anyone and you say that you're being bullied, people are automatically going to be on your side because it's like, what are you going to be, like, Mm -hmm. anti-bullying? But it's, you know, when she said that she was being bullied, you weren't being bullied, girl. You're rich, and the people attacking you on the internet are, like, people who have to scrape up, like, rent money to be able to afford formation tickets, okay? Mm -hmm. Like, you're fine. Absolutely. And also, I think people, there were so many women, a lot of white feministy people who wanted to make Rachel Roy, like, a paragon of what happens when, you know, it's not even subtly racialized that, like, internet mobs come for people, even though those people sent for them. And there's, you always have to look at context in in situations like that. Like, forget the good hair comment. If you grew up actually, like, entrenched in black culture, you know Rachel Roy had probably a lot more to do with 15 years ago, Jay and Dame Dash. I'm not as intrepid as, as a lot of the people are in the Beehive, but I saw right after the elevator incident, Two years ago, Beyonce actually posted a photo of herself wearing an Aaliyah t-shirt. Right, because Dame Dash was involved with Aaliyah, and apparently the rumor is that like Jay-Z and Dame were both interested in Aaliyah before she died, and that's part of what caused their rift and what ended their business partnership that started with Rockefeller Records. Exactly, and so you have to think about it. You have to like know what you're talking about. Like These pop stars now they've been mainstreamed like they didn't start off the cultural references that we get because we started listening to them in black spaces black contexts. like y'all weren't there like you weren't shooting with us in 1999 (laughs) so for me that's immediately like I know Rachel Roy from that I know that Rachel Roy got together with Dame after Aaliyah and so I can see that bigger context and I know about the sagas we can call them like hip hop sagas maybe that underpin a lot of like the cultural references that mainstream white audiences are just not going to get when it comes to somebody like Jay-Z or Beyonce. We grew up with that stuff and we know that like, you know, you'll see white people out here talking about Little Kim caping for her, but it's like, do you know the history of Little Kim? Do you know why Little Kim went to prison? Do you Mm -hmm. know about her beef um, with Foxy Brown that led to like a shootout at a radio station? It's like they don't really know about stuff like that that happened in the 90s and the early 2000s. And all they see are like, oh, you know, now that these black pop stars are, you know, on MTV um, or now that they are, you know, on the Internet and Um, Us Weekly or something is covering them. They think that they have all the context that they need. 
And there's so much more to know. Even just, you know, thinking about Lil' Kim, who recently became the subject of plenty of ridicule because she has very visibly lightened her skin. I remember being a little girl and being, like, fascinated with Lil' Kim and her sexuality. And then you you see around the time that Biggie got with Faith and also Biggie had a thing with Charlie Baltimore, two women who are actually biracial, you know what she's talking about when she mentions in interviews that I had been passed up for women who had more Eurocentric looks, women who would constitute as Beckys, if we're going to use Beyonce's language. And so for me, like when, exactly. I see, when I see photos of Lil' Kim like all lightened up and nose straightened, it makes me upset because I know that if she had the support that she needed, I mean, obviously I'm speculating here, that she would know that she was an incredibly gorgeous person, that she inspired so many black women to actually lean into their sexuality in, in ways that were raunchy, in ways that were like about asserting power over men. And it's ironic, right, that somebody who I think about as being all about female pleasure ended up feeling like she was pressured by male desire. Exactly. You know, I mean, like, shit, I even, like, was inspired by um, Little Kim's album. I feel like Hardcore was probably the first, like, real hip-hop album that I listened to that got me into hip-hop music. And I've always been drawn to female rappers in that respect. And I just think that, like, looking at Little Kim now, how sad it is that she's fallen this way emotionally and you know that her appearance has changed especially in a time where now like those colorism issues that she was going through Beyonce is able to openly talk about Mm -hmm. now it's still getting dissected by the white media who doesn't understand it but at least she is out there speaking to her fans in a way that Little Kim wasn't able to do in the 90s yeah Yeah, I mean, it's a sign of progress, but also it's ultimately so disappointing. So I know you need to hang up on me because you have to watch Empire, your favorite show on television. Can I say that talking about black hip hop sagas has made me that much more upset that I have to go watch Empire? Empire wishes it could get a storyline as hot as Jay-Z, Dame Dash, Rachel Roy, Aaliyah, and Beyonce. Well, I'm sure we're going to see it all within like the two episodes that are left before the season finale. <laughs> the Lee Daniels is going to be like, Danny, Danny Strong, we need to redo this whole thing. Rhonda is going to be <laughs> Becky. <laughs> <laughs> all right, dude. I got to go. All right. Talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Speed Dial is a production of the MTV Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at MTV News and MTV Podcasts. You can subscribe to this and other MTV podcasts on iTunes.